Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Happy Father's Day to all the dads here in this place. You matter to God. You matter to us. We need you. We need your example. We need your grace, your patience. We even need your correction. I'm so grateful for all the dads here in this place. And I'm grateful for our Heavenly Father who's here with us as well. Amen. He has power to transform, to heal, to set free. I want to welcome you again to the local church, a perfect place for imperfect people. I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. And today on this Father's Day, we're continuing the series we started several weeks ago where we're talking about these paradoxical statements. Now, by this point, you should know what a paradox is. A, a paradox is a, is a statement that seems contradictory. It doesn't seem to make sense. But the more you study it, the more you understand it, you find that it makes sense in a way that you've never imagined or experienced before. And today is Father's Day, and and for me it's a little bit paradoxical how Father's Day is treated. Now, if you're a dad here, you know that Father's Day marketing usually revolves around like beards and, and, and tools and sports and muscular men, but, but maybe you're like me and, and you like sports I'm repping the heat today, even though we didn't win. It's my favorite team. But you may not be a fanatic. You may not be able to list every single stat of every single player. And you're like, does does this revolve? I mean, does this this have to do with me? Or maybe, maybe you're like me and... I would love to grow a beard, but I didn't get those genes from my Cuban culture. Like, I, I got the Korean culture. People still think, you know, I'm, I'm underage and I haven't gone through puberty yet. I would love to, but I don't have a beard. Maybe you're like me here. Like, I don't have a beard. Am I, am I manly enough? Or, or uh, the strength, the muscles. Maybe you're like me, and, and because I wear a lot of layers, it makes my biceps look a little bit bigger. The reality is it's a clothes adding a few inches right there. Maybe for, for, for you, you feel like you're not this muscular, masculine type of guy who looks like a WWE superstar. Little side note, even though I may not look like that, I can guarantee you, I'll give any man in this place a run for your money in the ring, okay? Like, I know martial arts, and I know <laughs> that may not be threatening to you. I may not beat you. I may not look like I have a lot of strength, but I will bloody you up a little bit. Meet me outside if you, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Here's the reality. Not all of us look like these these muscular, man-sized giants, like these WWE superstars. So is this day for us when all the marketing says, you know, you have to be a a beer-drinking, beard-having, bulging biceps, sports fanatic who's really good with your hands, or you're a carpenter like Bob Vila or Jesus. Maybe you are that dad, or maybe you're not that dad. What I want to talk about today, though, is this paradox. I want to talk about the power of weakness. Turn to someone, let them know there's power in weakness. I want to talk about that paradox today. And this deals with every single one of us. If you think you are strong, this deals with us. If you think you don't have the strength, I want to let you know there's power 
in weakness today. There's a best-selling author by the name of Malcolm Gladwell. He's written books like Outliers and Tipping Points. And one of his more recent books, David and Goliath, he shares this story of, of a, uh, a, a, a person who goes to this, this large summit full of successful business leaders. And this person, he's doing research trying to find the power of weakness. And so he's with all these successful entrepreneurs, these Fortune 500 company CEOs, and he asked this question. He asked, how many people in this room grew up with a learning disability? And to my surprise, half of them raised up their hands. Now, for me, that's a paradox because in our culture today, like if, if you don't have incredible intelligence and got a 1,500 plus on your SATs, logic says that, that you will not be successful, that your weaknesses, that your dysfunctions, that your disabilities will not cause you to be successful. But yet, half the successful people in that room said they had a learning dysfunction. They had a learning disability. And so Malcolm Gladwell, he, he writes this observation in this book. He says there are two possible interpretations for this fact. One is that this remarkable group of people triumphed in spite of their disability. That they were so smart and so creative that nothing, not even a lifetime of struggling with reading, could stop them. The second, more intriguing possibility is that they succeeded in part because of their disorder. That they learned something in their struggle that proved to be of an enormous advantage. To everyone here in this room, my church family at home and at Everglades Correction, I want to focus on that last line. They learned something in their struggle that proved to be an enormous advantage. I look across this room this Father's Day and I see a whole bunch of imperfect people. I know that's the reality of the situation that we're in right now. Some of you, you have struggled with significant dysfunction and disability in your life whether that was a, 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 an inability to, to fully understand and comprehend learning, whether you came from a dysfunctional family, whether you had a physical disorder, whatever it may be, logic says because of your struggle, you will not be successful. But what if that weakness, that struggle would actually lead to your greatest strength in life? Someone say, there's power in weakness. I want to talk about this morning. You can turn your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 22. It'll be on the screens. It'll be in your app so you can follow along here or at home. Luke 22, starting in verse 39, it's talking about Jesus. and says, he came out and went as was his custom to the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him. Verse 40, when he came to the place, he said to his disciples, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. Verse 44. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood, falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to his disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. 
Now this is right after Jesus shared this last supper with his friends and his disciples. Right before he's about to go and, and, and be uh, um, captured and crucified. This is taking place in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is on the Mount of Olives. He went there frequently to pray, but this time he prayed in a way that wasn't common in that time. Matthew Mark says that he actually fell down to his knees. Now, in first century Judaism, when people prayed, they didn't pray kneeling down. They prayed standing up to their feet. And here we see Jesus falling down. And while he's falling down, praying on his knees, he prays this earnest, raw prayer. He says, Father, if you're willing, will you take this cup from me? That word cup oftentimes in the Bible is a symbol for punishment. A symbol for anguish of suffering. Because Jesus knew he was about to suffer. Jesus knew God's plan was to crucify him. So that he would carry the sin and the shame of the world by his suffering on the cross. And so he prays. Would you take this away from me? If there's another way, if you are willing, will you please take this cup of suffering from me? And in this moment, I want you to hear this. Jesus was weak. I know for some of you, you don't like the way that sounds. Some of you are like, oh, he's a heretic. What is he talking about? Because we grew up singing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but what? He's strong. We can't even comprehend this idea that Jesus could be weak. He's strong. He's strengthened. Let us be honest. When you're strong, do you fall to your knees? When you're strong, does, does your sweat fall off like beads of blood? Verse 43, it says, And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. A lot of us, we like to hide our weaknesses. We like to pretend that we don't have a problem, especially men. We don't want to ask for directions. We don't want to show people that we're weak. We just keep on pushing through. We keep on carrying the burden because no one can believe that I'm weak. They have to see me as strong. This is what we grew up believing. We have to have this facade and pretend that everything is always okay. But in this moment, Jesus was weak. Immediately afterwards, an angel came to strengthen him, the Bible says. You don't come to someone to strengthen them when they're already strong. Jesus experienced weakness in this moment. See, and this is a biblical concept. A lot of you who, who still feel a little bit strange about that. For all throughout God's words, we see that Jesus was not just fully God, but he was also fully man. That's a paradox in itself. And in this, in this moment, in his humanness, he experienced weakness. But I want to tell you, this shouldn't shock you. This used to shock me, but it doesn't shock me anymore. When I was barely a teenager, seeing the strongest man in my life hospitalized, my grandfather, 
not being able to speak, all these tubes in him, that, that shocked me. When I was 18 years old and I saw my dad cry for the first time in weakness, that, that shocked me. I'm like, what's happening here? Because for me, it was strange to see someone that I thought was strong in a moment of weakness. But, but Jesus sharing and showing his weakness doesn't shock me anymore. In fact, it strengthens me. This paradox, it, it, it gives me great power in my life because it's personal. If I could just be honest with you, I, over the past several weeks, I've tried to hide my weakness. The past several weeks, I've been in a weakened state. Physically, I've been very tired. My body's been hurting. It's 41 creeping up on me. But, I, but I've also been very relationally tired and weak. Some relationships that were important to me were not what they needed to be. I was spiritually weakened. My relationship with God was not as a priority as much as I wanted it to be. And I experienced great weakness over the past several weeks. But can I tell you that the truth of God's word strengthened me? That I have a heavenly father who understands my weakness. Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one, listen to this, who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. This is telling us that Jesus isn't oblivious or aloof to our experience, to our weakness. He's understood. He's gone through everything that we've gone through. He understands because he's been there with us. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful that I have a friend and Savior in Jesus who understands everything I go through. Amen. Matthew and Mark, when they tell this story, they add a few more details. One of the details is that Jesus prayed this prayer. He says, please take this cup from me. You ever, you ever prayed that prayer before? Come on, let's be honest. We, we pray that. Lord, would you, would you take this suffering? Would you take away this weakness? But Matthew and Mark tell us this detail that he prayed it three separate times. Now, this is important. Because there's another person who prayed a prayer three separate times. And it gives us a hint into how we can be strengthened in our weakness. If you turn to 2 Corinthians 12, 7, this is Paul. He's talking to this church in Corinth. And he says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. And three times I pleaded with the Lord about it, that it should leave me. Will you take this cup away? Would you free me from this suffering? The Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is more than enough for what you're going through. For my power, listen to this, is made perfect. We have perfect power in weakness. Paul says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with my weaknesses, with insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Why? Let's read this together. For when I am weak, come on, fathers especially, on this Father's Day, let's say this out loud. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
Did you see the similarity there? Like Jesus, Paul was experiencing something he did not want to experience. And like Jesus, Paul prayed three times, please take this from me. Relieve me of this this suffering. And like Jesus, the answer that Paul got from God was no. No. I will not take away this thorn. Why? Because God wanted to show his strength through the weakness. Because God wanted to work whatever it is we're going through for our good and his glory. Whatever we're experiencing, God wants to work it for our good and his glory. Now, what was Paul going through? What was Paul's thorn? We don't know. Theologians and and historians have been trying to figure it out, and they assume a lot of things. Maybe it was a person that was a thorn in his side or a pain in his neck. Maybe it was a disability or dysfunction or, or some sort of health concern in his life that was a thorn in his side. We don't know, and it doesn't matter that we don't know. It's better that we don't know. Because if Paul would have said, my thorn is that I stutter, the 99 point whatever percent of us that don't stutter would have said, well, that doesn't pertain to me. This isn't for me. This doesn't relate to my life. But in not sharing what his thorn was, that connects with every single one of us. This is for all of us. Dad's in the place. Mom's in the place. All the single ladies, all the single ladies and everyone else. This relates and connects with all of us. Here's the reality. Every single one of us, we have a thorn. Some of us, a lot of thorns, right? And we're so good at covering them up. We're so good at pretending that they're not a problem. We, we, we do this so often in many areas of our life. Women, you have makeup. You cover all the imperfections in you. Men, we, we have makeup too today. We also have just for men hair dye so we can cover up all the gray hairs. Both men and women, they have spanks. Are you aware of that? Come on, men. Don't be ashamed. Perfect place for imperfect people. There's some men in here who know about men's spanks. Don't raise your hand. Ah, some of you are raising your hand. Don't do that. Because we want to cover up. I don't like this. This feels like a weakness for me. But if we're honest, even though we do a good job of covering up, so many of us at some point in our life have found ourselves crying out to God in prayer, take this cup away from me. Would you relieve me of this weakness? Would you take away this thorn in my side? And many times for reasons only God knows, They remain. They're stuck with us. He doesn't take them away. Happy Father's Day, everybody. (laughs) Listen to verse 9, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Listen to what Paul says. And I pray this gives us hope today. Therefore, I will what? What? I will proudly declare, I will publicly proclaim all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Why? So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 
I want you to hear this. He used to be obsessed with getting rid of the thorn. He used to be obsessed of getting rid of all his weaknesses. And now he's saying, now I will boast about them. In other words, I'm not going to carefully try to conceal them or hide them from other people. I'm going to be open and honest with what I'm going through. Why? So that the power, the power of Christ may rest upon me. Somehow, coming to a place of embracing his weaknesses, he was able to experience a power that he's never experienced before. In verse 10, he says it even more bluntly. 2 Corinthians 12, 10. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the paradox. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul one of the founding fathers of our faith who, who, who wrote most of the New Testament, who had such a tremendous impact only being usurped by Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior himself. He's saying the source of my power was found in my weakness. As we begin to conclude today, I want to quickly give three ways that we can learn from, that we can lean into, embrace our weakness to experience a release of the power of God. Three ways that we can embrace our weakness to experience the release of the power of God. But before we get there, I want to make this very clear. Embracing your weakness is not the same thing as making an excuse for your sin. Did you hear that? Let that sit in. Embracing your weakness is not the same thing as giving an excuse for your sin. You can't say, my weakness is that I cheat on my wife. So I, I, I guess I just better embrace that. That's, that's who I am. No, that's a sin. That's going against God's word and will over your life. And by the grace of God, he wants to help us overcome sin. But we have to understand that embracing our weakness is not the same thing as giving excuses or experiencing our sin. When, when Jesus was in a place of weakness in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Paul had a thorn in his side, they were not committing sin. Now, some of your weakness might be a leaning into a temptation towards a certain type of sin, but it's not experiencing and living out. Do you understand that? So therefore, how can we learn to embrace the weaknesses in our life to experience the release of God's power? The first thing is this. Say, accept. Accept your thorns. We need to learn to accept our thorns. Listen, it is possible to pray passionate, heartfelt, desperate prayers to God. God loves to hear his children cry out to him because he's a father who wants to help us. But we have to understand that at some point as we're crying out to God and he says no or not yet, we have to be willing to accept that he wants to use this for our good and his glory. We have to stop just thinking about getting out of what we're in, of getting rid of our weakness and learn to accept at some point and dream about how God can use this for our good and his glory. For both 